Right, I'm gonna be going into the word session right now. I want you to fasten your seatbelts. You may, uh, okay, it's kind of too late now for you to want to stand up and go and get a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. <laughs> but um, I, I can tell you one thing, you will really enjoy uh, the service this morning because I'm going to be um, sharing with you God's heart for fathers, God's mm -hmm. heart for every young man, God's heart for every mother in raising their son. So, and um, God's heart for uh, people who may be role models in the life of one young man or the other. So this uh, message, uh, what I'm going to be sharing with you this morning, is applicable to everyone. I will bless everyone who is here. I want you to pay careful attention. It's not a message that many people that is common. It's not a it's not a common message, right? Even myself, I've not heard it before, right? So I would like you to pay careful attention uh, to those things I'm going to be sharing with us this morning. Amen. So once again, happy Father's Day to all fathers in the house, to all fathers all over the world. We respect you, we honor you, we love you, we cherish you, we admire you, and we thank you for the you know your labor of love, your sacrifice uh, on 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 each and every one of us. We we you know we we thank God and we pray for you this morning in the name of Jesus that you will continue to grow in strength and wisdom Amen. to lead us and to father us in the way we should go in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Father. Um, so, fathers, thank you. We 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 appreciate you. Amen. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm used to praying, right? When I said thank you, Father, my wife looked up like, is he praying or something? Right? So once I start praying for people, my heart just switch off to you know, speaking to God for people. Amen. Amen. All right. So we thank God for our fathers. Amen. So as we celebrate our fathers this morning, right, we, we, we're celebrating them because of um, the protection they have um, given to us or how they protect us, you know, how they provide for our physical needs, how they nurture us, you know, care for us and how they affirm us. Amen. Amen. So, going forward, uh, it's good to be a good father. It's an honorable thing to be a good father. It's a blessing to our society if uh, we have men who take their place as fathers and play their role effectively as fathers, you know, from a physiological standpoint, from a human need standpoint. But fatherhood in God's sight, to me, seems to be more than a man meeting the needs of his home, meeting the needs of his family, or even physic being physically present and with his family, spending quality time. There's more that God requires of fathers. There's more that God requires of fatherhood than the physical things that we see or we expect. To a very much extent, if you know what God expects and requires of a father, Right, we realize that it does not contradict, thank you, Holy Spirit, it does not contradict what we expect of fathers from a physiological standpoint. So, there's a fear in, in the heart of some people that if their father becomes born again, their father becomes a follower of Christ, if their father becomes a pastor, a preacher, then he will ignore the home. I'll say this to you with all due respect. If a man of God, a pastor, a minister, a preacher, is ignoring his home because according to ministry, he has not gotten, he has not achieved the balance and he has not gotten his calling correctly clear. I repeat, if a man is into ministry at the detriment of his home, right, whichever way he serves the ministry such that it's affecting the home, the marriage, you know, he's not there for the family, he's not gotten it right. Uh, because God has not called us to serve the world 
and um, and um, make our home suffer, right? So God has not called us to serve the world, minister to people while your child and your wife suffer. Every man of God is better off to have a congregation of 200 people and succeed well on the home front than to have 2,000 people and they are failing on the home front. So we need to start learning to get our perspective right when it comes to ministry. Right. So man of God, listen to me carefully. Now, your defense, your point of defense, your, 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 your place of defense or your protection, and I'm trying not to use um, words that we are, not, we are not familiar with. Say your, 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 your base of security, your security base, I'm trying to look for some military word here. Your camp, your camp of security, your secure camp is your home. Because if everything go wrong out there in the world, your wife and your kids are the ones who stand by you. Or how many times have you seen church members go out of their way? And this, I'm not saying this applies to all people. But how many times have you seen church members go out of their way to be at their pastor if their pastor is sick? How many times have you seen church members go out of their way and stay with the pastor and serving day and night, leaving or abandoning their home? They have a responsibility to their home. So if the pastor has a challenge and the church members leave their home to stay with the pastor, to help the pastor, and their home is suffering as well, something is not right. So this is to tell us that if you have a family, right, your family is your parity when it comes to anything you do. Amen. I didn't plan that the Holy Spirit laid down in my spirit and that's why I had to call it out. So many children hate God. Don't like God, hungry at God, hungry with God, because they thought their father, they thought it was God who took their father away from them. They thought that God took their father away from them into his service and deprived them of fatherhood. That's not right. So the problem, if you're if you're such a uh if you're a young person who has been affected that way, if you listen to me or watching me this morning, right, I want to say to you with all due respect, and this is not to condemn your dad. Your dad did not get things correctly. It might be the model that was shown him by the people that have gone ahead of him. I don't have I don't have many role models there, and I'm not ashamed to say this. Right? The people that will have taken as role models have not done very well in the on the home front. So I can't take them as role models when it comes to ministry. I went to I had to go in search of how to run successful ministry, and I realized that I've got to train people. I should not try to be the face of my ministry, the face of our church. Everything should not be on me. Everything should not land on me. I'm not a half and omega. And we are trusting God as God is helping the way. We are building people. I'm training people so that the church can run on its own. I can look after my family. Amen. Amen. So it's not good. In, it's not. A, I'm trying to get that word correctly. It's, how, do, how do I put it down? So it's not enough to be a good father, right? It's not enough to be a good father. So it is necessary to be a good father, but not enough to be a good father everyone every father must be a godly one so god wants us to be godly father so if you are a godly father right you will do correctly so godliness as a father or godliness in the life of a man does not does not uh make him irresponsible on the home front so when a man goes on 70 days fasting and praying and has not seen his kids moving from conference to conference, crusade to crusade, and he's so excited, a lot of people have been blessed, and he does not have a relationship with the parent, with the, with the, with the, with the kids and with the wife, something is not right. Amen. Man, can I say to us, please, don't be easily carried away by the praise of men. No. The Bible says that Jesus... You know, he did not commit himself to men because he knew what was in them. So this is not to make um, church members, church family feel bad. 
you know, I'm half of what God is prompting, I mean, laying in my heart and really prompting me to say, speak on this morning at this point in time is that men of God needs to fix up, they need to fix themselves and get their perspective right. Some people, because they don't want to develop quality relationship with their family, is the reason why they go all around and doing miracles and do all kind of stuff while their home is suffering. Let's come back home and fix whatever issues in our heart. And this is Lord speaking to people this morning. I didn't plan for this. Amen. Amen. So it's not enough to be a good father. Much more importantly, we must be godly fathers. So who is a godly father? A godly father is one who raises kids. Who raises his kids uh, and who loves his wife. Okay, let's, let's put it. Let me put this first. So a godly father is one who loves his wife unconditionally. One. So let's start with the wife. But because when we talk about father, uh, fatherhood, it's, we're actually really focusing on someone who have kids, right? Because a person becomes a father by virtue of the fact that they now have kids, right? So let's focus on the kids and the man, the kids and the man. But it's, um, it's, it's, it's compulsory important. And it's, I mean, there's, there's no doubt about the fact that a godly man must love his wife. In the first Timothy three says that it must be uh, the husband of one wife. Right, so that is actually that's an established fact. A godly man, a godly father, must love his wife unconditionally. And if you're doubting that, go to Ephesians 5, 21, 22 and get some more facts there. Now, so let's focus on the kids. So a godly father is one who raises kids according to God's principles, developing and preparing them to become what God created them to be. I'll take it again. A godly father is one who raises kids according to God's principles, developing and preparing them to become who God created them to be. I know there's a lot loaded in that statement. Want me to take one more time? A godly father is one who raises kids according to God's principles, developing and preparing them to become who God created them to be. So when we look at the word godly, father, it means a God-focused, a God-minded man who has kids. So, if you look at our society today, even though some fathers are physically present and they spend quality time with the family, you know, and they love their kids, they, they buy stuff for them, many fathers are not God-conscious. They are not God-minded. They are not rude or live their life by the principles of God. Even though they are physically present, they are not thinking about the plans and the purpose of God for their kids. Many fathers are leading their children in the path of ungodliness. And I will say that we need godly fathers, both in the home front and the church front. So if I will, say, if I will talk about the church front, I will say that a godly father in the church, most of the time, which is a pastor, is the pastor who leads and raises the church members in according to the principles of God, not according to the dictates of culture. So, in the world we are living in right now, even though we have pastors, even though we have which are spiritual fathers in the very much sense, and we have fathers who are physically there, one one um one one popular or one popular theme or observe of observation you will make is that um, godliness is going extinct in our churches and in the home front. 
So I'll give an example. In the home front, when a man, when a father sees it okay that his, his daughter can go and live with a boyfriend without marriage, I mean, they're not married, but he can, you know, allows the daughter to go and live with a boyfriend outside of wedlock. Uh, sorry, outside of, outside of marriage, right? This is a wedlock. Am I correct to say that? Right? Mm-hmm. Something is not right. You know, you know fornication is going on there and stuff like that. So you encourage your daughter to be fornicating, opening up herself to the destruction and the, the, the destructive power of the devil. Go to Romans chapter 6, verse 14 to 16. You find details how this is destroying your daughter's life. Or, or a father who encourages the son to bring his girlfriend home and the girlfriend is living with the family with uh, outside of marriage, no marital, no no marriage relation with outside of a marriage relationship, it's not right. And many other uh, godly misconduct that is prevalent among many Christians today, that many fathers condone. I was watching the TV one day, and uh, one of a particular TV series, movie series, at some point. Um, the, the girl literally was performing, you know, sexual things in display on camera, and it was more of a kind of X-rated movie kind of thing. And were, and the world was awarding this girl, and even people who were watching, who were ungodly people, felt kind of uncomfortable as how much that lady was exposing herself. I mean, the things she was doing on TV on set, right? Even the ungodly were uncomfortable. And, um, you know, they, they asked her how her father felt. Even the ungodly, they have some, a little bit of common sense. They asked her how the father felt. The father was in the same um, event, was attending the same event with her. And, you know, and the man expresses her happiness. Sorry, his happiness about her daughter being a celebrity and, and displaying that madness on TV. You know, when I use some words, people think I'm angry, but I will say things the way they are. It's madness. So I know we have kids among us. Parents, you're going to help the kids here. Um, you might not be, you, uh, you might not want to turn this up, but you may have to go do some work. But when a, a lady is performing sexual immorality right in face of the camera for the world to see, all in the main name of becoming a movie star, and the father encourages it, we are not well. He's a man there. So the lady was so proud of the father. I say, you know, father, daddy, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm young. I'm your, I'm your baby. And the man was so happy. The mother was standing there. And I'm thinking, this is an example of what we're talking about. The man was there, protected the child, looked after the child, sent her to school. There was no story, I mean, from things I gather. There was no issue between the father and the daughter. But this father is encouraging this girl onto destruction. So, based on this few example, can you now say that it's not enough to be a good father, but it's very important to be godly father who are to be a godly father, a man who is conscious, who is aware of the principles of God and can raise his kids in the way of God, preparing them to become who God has called them to be. Fathers, God has not given us children for us to just have children. He has given us a responsibility. So if you're a young man, if you're a single guy or a young man, you're married and you're, you, uh, you're looking, you're, you're going to become a father one day or, or you're expectant father, bear this in mind, fatherhood is a responsibility. If God gives you a child and you know God gives you a child, you need to bear in mind that he has given you responsibility and you're accountable to God for how you raise that child. Children must not be raised according to cultural 
um, cultural principles, societal principles, because the moral standards of the society is always changing because they are not aligned with that of God. Now you have situational ethics. You have, you know, the world is, is, uh, is, is, is constantly, you know, uh, erasing the, the line between right and wrong. The, the, line is get, the, the line is getting blurrier and blurrier by the day. It, it will get to a point that people will not be able to differentiate between right and wrong. And the fathers and the mothers in the home are the ones that we will have to look up to. Well, we should be looking up to them. They should be the one actually guiding us and directing us as to what is right and wrong. So parents, it's not enough to just be good parents. You've got, we've got to be godly parents. If we are not godly parents, we will not be conscious of God's way and God's purpose for the kid. We will not be able to hear what God has in store for them. And we will not be able to see how the devil wants to destroy them. And we might be the one giving them to the devil to destroy. Amen. Amen. Few things that few words of encouragement I have here for fathers. You know, you can be a good and a godly father. Regardless of your experience, regardless of where you come from, regardless of what has happened in your life, you can be a good father. Now, what I'm sharing this morning is not to condemn anyone. So if you feel you have not been doing a good job, this is not to condemn you, but this is to open your eyes to see that if you don't jump in as quickly as possible to start learning and understanding the principles and the ways of God so that you can lead your kids, the ones that are still with you, lead them the path of righteousness, mindful, being mindful of their purpose, their, their calling and understanding your place, what's God saying to you, what, what part God wants you to play in their life. Don't expect God to raise your kids. You are responsible for raising the kids. So if you believe God has given you those kids, you must understand, you must give yourself to working with God to know how to protect these children in God's way. Can I put it this way? We must learn to be fathers, parenting children in God's way. Amen. Um, a kind of test I want to quickly do this morning because some fathers you know, can you know, can be quick to to be defensive. You know, I deal with men a lot, and um, and I've met amazing men. Um, you know, there's there's one one of one of men attending our, you know, the the the, the oldest man in oldest man in in our in our church family today is is a man I respect so much for his wisdom as humility. Man, this man is humble, right? Uh, okay, amen. So, but. Besides him, I've, I've met some other men too that are humble and I've met some that they can be very aggressive and very proud and very defensive, even in the church. You know, one of the reasons why I'm usually very careful with pastors, I'm sorry to say this, the fact that somebody has a, pa a title pastor does not mean that they follow Jesus or do the works of Jesus. So even as a pastor, I'm conscious of the pastor I work with. So even as a pastor, I'm conscious and I'm, ca I'm cautious of people I work with, then individual students need to be cautious. I know what I'm talking about. So let me help some fathers here this morning. Now, so if you think you have everything together, you know, if you have some defenses in your mind, or if you want to find out, you know what, how do I assess the, my influence on my child? Right. Uh, you can ask yourself this question. So your influence, the things you've taught your children so far, I mean, the ones they believe, your conduct, your lifestyle, does it have a positive influence of them such that they are doing the right thing or they are following in the, in the direction of God? Or your influence in the life of which kids 
I mean, the things they see you do and which they are doing, where is it leading them to? Is it destruction? I mean, let's think about it. So your influence on your child, you know, look at their life. What are they doing? You know, uh, there was a movie myself and my wife watched uh, saw on um, Friday evening. It's actually 8 to 12. And um, one of the kids was swearing and stuff like that. And the mother was trying to shut him. Like, you don't use those words. But, and, she, and he looked at the, the, the mother and like, but this is the things you say. These are the things you say. So why are you telling me not to, not to do that? Right. So the influence, your influence on your child, do they embarrass you in public or make you feel proud? These are things we need to bear in mind. Right. So some people will say, you know what? I have a positive influence on my child. So if you think you have a positive influence on your child, now that positive influence on whose perspective, from whose perspective if your if your is your own positive influence? Is it is it from the perspective of the media, the culture, the world you live in, or from the Bible's perspective? So what I'm trying to call out here is this when we when we say we are fathering our children, we are, you know, we're doing well, we are leading them, we are guiding them, we are helping them, whatever, whatever influence, whatever thing we are, whatever thing we are bringing to life of our children, we're teaching them, we're showing them, let's check from whose angle we are coming from, from whose perspective we are coming from, is the perspective of the world or the perspective of God. Don't forget the Bible tells us that a friend of the world makes themselves an enemy of God because the world encourages adultery, fornication, and all kind of stuff. Right? Thank you, Holy Spirit. I feel the Holy Spirit is asking me to speak to children. This is quite sensitive one. Right? If your parents are leading the path of destruction, um... I feel those people saying that you should bear in mind that the fact that you have a parent that you love does not mean you do everything they say. The sensitive one, I think I will have to, um, if somebody, if you are struggling, if you are that person and you're struggling and your parents are leading you to do what is wrong, I'll say, you know, reach out to me and let me see, let's, let's assess the situation in, in detail and, and by, by the help of God, give you wisdom on how to manage the situation. Because these are your parents, you have to be careful. You cannot come across as outrightly disobedient, right? There's a wisdom to deal with situations, right? But the thing is this, if you follow the wrong leading and direction of your parents, it will destroy you. And after your parents are gone, you're going to be living with the consequences of those things. So you have to be bold enough to find, to find out, how do I do this? The thing is, this, sin and every evil practices have consequences, your parents will not bear the consequences but you. And you cannot be bitter with your parents or for the rest of your life. So, if they're encouraging you to make a decision to take a step right now, you know it's ungodly, we need to do something about it. I'll give an example. So, um, when I was um, much younger, before I met my wife now, um, you know, someone among my, somebody who I can call a parent to me, you know, that kind of uncles, they said to me, and these uncles are people I can kind of probably look up to as fathers. And uh, because my father was an absentee father, wasn't there, you know, I have a history of domestic abuse in our family and stuff like that. So one of my uncles was telling me to sleep with women, do this, do this, do that. I didn't respond. And, and every day, every day, he would, be he would be telling me to do this. He would be telling me to do this. And he would be telling me, you know, how he makes me to look more like a man, to do this, to do that. But I refused. Because God forbid if I contract HIV or a pregnant woman or something kind of thing. And then I was a teenager, you know, 
who has a consequence to face? Myself. Right? But I didn't follow any of his um, advice, even the ways to go about it, the inspiration he gave me. I didn't follow any of them. And I think of who I am today. But if I followed him because my uncle, I look up to him, how will I have become a mess? So you're going to suffer the consequence of whatever actions you take based on the direction or the instructions your parents give to you. So we need to figure out how to get out of these things because the consequence is unavoidable. Amen. So, if you think as a father that you've not had negative influence, you've not had positive influence on your children, there's hope for you. You can start making, you can start, um, uh, you can start to make things right. Right. I will not be able to go into details of that, but if you need support in that area, you can reach out to me and uh, we can talk about it and we can pray with you. Amen. So it is very important that fathers understand this, that your children will get the identity from you. Your children will get the identity from you. So one of the reasons why I don't allow timidity or, or fear in my life is because when I have kids, they are likely to pick it up from me. And I've seen a lot of young men who identify themselves by the ungodly actions of their father. They'll say, this is me. In, my, in our family, we are drunk. In our family, we are poor. In our family, we are this. In our family, we are that. You know, I don't think many fathers understand how powerful their role is in the life of a child. You know, I'll give an example, affirmation. Everybody else in the world may affirm your child. But the affirmation that comes from you to the child is so powerful. It outweighs on a scale, it, on, on, on a scale, so a thousand people, a, a thousand people's affirmation on the scale, and your one affirmation on the scale, sincere, genuine, you know, on the balance, yours outweighs, by far outweighs all the affirmation a person may receive from the world. The role of the father and the child is very significant. It's very significant. And, you know, I said this message is for a lot of people, not just biological fathers, even spiritual fathers, or fathers who may have adopted you know, um, a child or you know, the other, or somebody who is a role model, as a kind of father figure to a child. I remember that you know, I've dealt with single mothers, and when they bring their sons or their kids around me, when the kids are misbehaving, and I look at the kid and I you know, kindly, nicely speak to them, no, you can't be doing that. I mean, I see them almost immediately behave themselves. And we become friends, and like, uncle, I want to, can I do this? Uncle, can I do that? So a boy or a girl who was misbehaving about 20 minutes ago, coming to meet me and I say, no, 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 you can't do that. I mean, it still surprises me, surprises me today the, 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 how significant or impactful the role of a male in the life of a child, let alone his father or a father. Amen. So children will take your, their identity from you. They will identify themselves based on what they see you do. So we have to ensure that our identity is aligned with, with what God says about us. And we conduct ourselves in line with our identity in Christ. We are godly, we are righteous, we are holy. You know, we are godly. And we will see that this is what children we take. Amen. Amen. I know there are instances where somebody has been a good father, but the children still turn out badly. Right. Um, I would not want us to focus on those exceptions. But let's focus on the standard practice. And what we know guarantees uh, guarantees a positive result in most cases, which is the father being a godly father, you know, principled by God, walks and lives life according to God's principles and passes this on to the children. Fathers, don't try to teach children what to do what or to become what you are not. And this is on, still, still on godliness on your conduct, your life. Don't try to tell them to be godly, to be this, to be that. Thank you, Holy Spirit. 
what you are not, you know, an example that we just give, give, you know, give, just giving me to me now is this, you know, I, I, I come from Nigeria and I've seen instances whereby men have a girlfriend, married men have a girlfriend and they go to the pub with their girlfriend, you know, with their side chick, their mistress. And their son come there to also, you know, spend time with them. And he, and his mother is at home, right? But the father is with a side chick. And then when he's, bring, when he's beginning to practice infidelity, the, the man will say, you know, you can't do that. That's not good for you. I, excuse me, I don't understand. Is that not what you demonstrated to him? So what you know will destroy the life of your child. Don't practice it. So what you know will destroy the life of your child if he does it or she does it. Don't do it. Amen. Amen. So, um, having said that, let's look at examples of godly fathers in the Bible. And like one is Abraham. Listen to what God said about Abraham. Genesis 18, 17 to 19, NLT. I'll read to you. We can read that later. Genesis 18, 17 to 19. Now, God said to Abraham, Shall I hide my plan from Abraham? The Lord asked. For Abraham will, Abraham, yeah, Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord. I take that again. Verse 19. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord. By doing what is right and just. Now, what does the Bible say that? It's telling us how Abraham directs his family. You know. Before Abraham had a child, you know, God has seen the discipline in Abraham, his mindset. Not that Abraham was perfect. He made some mistakes, right? He listened to his wife and some occasions. He did what he was not meant to do. But God was saying that this guy, he may have flaws, but when it comes to directing his children, when it comes to leading his children, he's going to do the right stuff. Man, let's challenge ourselves to be that kind of man that God can be confident in to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. So, I mean, I'll take it again. Uh, let, be that kind of, let us be that, that, that kind of man or those kind of men that God will have so much confidence in us that we can direct our sons, our children, and our family. Can you see what the Bible said? He said he will direct his sons and their, and his, and his, and their families. Actually, I'm actually just seeing this. So, he said he will direct his sons and their families. So, Abraham's impact is not just on his sons. But even having a kind of a fatherly impact on the families of the sons as a model grandpa, the ideal grandpa that follows the Lord, that obeys the Lord, said he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord. So, man, what are we directing our sons and daughters to? So a godly, a godly man would, di would, would, would direct his sons and families, if we are able to get there, you know, to keep the way of the Lord, to obey the Lord by doing what is right and just. He said, then I will do for Abraham all that I've promised. So let me, let me say everything. Let me repeat that verse and then I move to the next person. He said, I have singled him out so that he will direct, so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. God knows this guy would do this. He knows this guy will do. He knows this guy. This guy will do it. This guy is able to do this. He just had confidence that this guy will do it. You know, look at Abraham when he was asked to offer his son Isaac in to be tested that if he can give what is most precious, what is most precious to him to the Lord. He he was going to do. He did it. 
So that's to show you, God is God even proved to yours after saying this about Abraham, why he selected Abraham, he even actually proved to you that guy. <laughs> what I said about Abraham before he had a child, can you see? He will do it, he will follow me, he will honor me. Right. So the next person is Joseph, Matthew 1 18 to 25. Now, um, I'll read from the. Okay, let me see. I think it's the NLT. I can't remember which version I actually posted here. So let's do let's read this. Joseph, sorry, Matthew 1.18. Let's look at the case of Joseph. So this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. Look at, listen to that. It said Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. The Bible called him a righteous man because he was obedient to the Lord. So the righteous, when the righteous is used in the, in the Gospels, you know, it, uh, it wasn't righteousness by faith in, in a very much extent. But these guys believed in God, and these guys they walk according to the principles of God. Amen. So he was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Single ladies, there's a message for you there. I hope somebody got it. Now, because a, a good guy, a guy from the Lord, a righteous man, will not want to disgrace you, embarrass you, abuse you, treat you like a piece of trash in public. So if you have a man who treats you like a piece of trash in public, uh, we may want to check whether he's a man after God's own heart, regardless of the title or position he holds in his church. Amen. Amen. Uh, pastors, please, let's bear this in mind. We can't just assign people leadership positions if their conduct and their lifestyle does not reflect it or does not deserve it. Amen? So verse 20, As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. A godly man. A godly man, a godly father will obey the instructions of the Lord. You know, I, I deal with single ladies and um, they say a lot of things about their boyfriends and I'm, I'm trying to help them to see that no, that man is not a godly man. I don't think that man is from God for you. I love him, he's this, is that, but I don't think so. Because a godly man, a man from God for you will do the principles, will do the will of God. We obey God. And interesting, look at what the Bible says here, verse 25. But he, not, he did, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born and Joseph named him Jesus. Come on. Now, this was not the biological father of Jesus, right? Because you can say that Mary was impregnated by the Holy Ghost. But he was the custodian of Jesus as a child. Do you know what kind of man that guy was? For God to choose to have him as a custodian of Jesus. We're talking about integrity, character, feel the Lord. Friends, where are we? Fathers, where are we in this situation? Let's check our hearts as we go there. 
So coming to the spiritual setting, now Paul was a spiritual father. Look at this. First Corinthians 4, 14 to 15. He says, I am not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. People don't, should not have the right or people don't have the right to claim fatherhood over your life if they are not investing in you in Christ Jesus or if they did not give back to you in Christ and take fatherly responsibility to nurture and care for you. See, somebody wants to try to control you, use you, manipulate you for their own personal gain. Don't deserve the right to be called your spiritual father. I'll stop there. Listen to what Paul, what, what, something else about Paul, you know, talking about how he, you know, about his spiritual father, how he conducted himself. First Thessalonians 2, 9 to 12. He said, I'm not writing these things to shame you. First Thessalonians, the, my English friends will call it 1. 1 Thessalonians 2, 9 to 12. Right. So I'm not writing, wait, 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 what am I reading? I think I, I got some scriptures wrong there, but look at this. Verse 14. Can you hear me check 1 Thessalonians 2, 9, 14? Yeah, let me go, let me go there. Don't you remember the brothers and sisters how hard they worked among you night and day with hard and a living so that we will not be a burden to any of you? Okay. Uh, well, verse 11, you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you you. What 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 what, what wait, so what verse are you reading? Eleven. Eleven. Yes. What does fourteen says? Fourteen. And then dear brothers and sisters, you suffer persecution from your own country. Okay, I didn't get it right. So there's a there's a scripture I'm trying to remember here. Uh where it says the fact verse fourteen of it says, I'm not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as beloved children. For even if you had ten thousand teach okay, I think it's the previous one that I was uh, I was I recall first Corinthians. Okay, I, you guys know I can't I can't find it right now. Uh, yeah, 4.14. 4.14, That's the one I read earlier on. So First Thessalonians two nine to twelve. What does it say? I think I think you you got that. Yeah. First. Yeah. So First Thessalonians, right? Two, yeah. You, mm -hmm. nine. nine. Don't you remember, dear brothers and sisters, how yep. hard we worked among you night yep. and day with toils to earn a living, so that we would not be a burden to any of you, as we preached God's good news to you. You yourselves are our witness. And so is God that we were devout and honest and faultless towards all of you believers. And we know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. Fantastic. That's how I was going. Okay. Now, so, um, sorry, it was a typo in my note. Yeah, one second. Let me do this. Uh, to, 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 this is going. Don't do this. Right. So, I'll read 1 Thessalonians 2. I'll read 9 to 12. Yeah. Now, it says, let me go there. Right. So, it says, uh, surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our turmoil and hardship. We walk night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. Don't now. It said, you are witness and so is God of how holy, righteous. So Paul is a spiritual father, right? To many of those churches. But look at what he says about himself here. Verse 10, he said, you are witnesses and so God and so is God of how holy, righteous and blameless we were among you who believe. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. Verse 11. Encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. Let me take 10 to 12 again. So you are witnesses. So what I pasted in my notes, just to save time, I I, I mistakenly pasted the, the previous verses. Yeah, but the, the, the verse is correct. So 1 Thessalonians 2, 9 to 12. You can take your time to read it later on. Now, so verse, um, verse 10 says, You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you. Verse 11, careful. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and, in, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom of glory. Fathers, we are to what? We are to encourage our children, both physical, uh, biological, and spiritual fathers, to live lives worthy of God. So if a father is not teaching their children to live lives worthy of God, something is not right. Amen. So as I close, how can you become or how do you become a godly father? Two things. Just two things. Hate evil and love God. Hate evil and love God. Now Proverbs 18, Proverbs 8.13 says, To love, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. So, a godly father is one who fears the Lord, right? So, if it's claimed to fear the Lord, you have reverential fear of the Lord, you are to what? Hate evil. And when we talk about hate, we're talking about intense dislike. So, you're not partnering with evil. You're not rejoicing in evil. You're not having your friends come into the house and you talk about women and your friend is talking about the woman he's sleeping with outside of marriage, cheating on his wife. Such men should not be your friend. Such men that can have negative influence on your life or your children should not be your friend. They should not, they should not even be hosted in your home. Amen. Amen. Friends, we must bear in mind that human beings are spirit. And the kind of people you allow into your home, they come with the, some kind of spirit, with the kind of person they have. It, they create certain atmosphere around you. you. I mean, I know what I'm talking about. Time will not allow me to go into this. But bearing this in mind, whatever people carry on their heart, it creates an atmosphere around them and they come in, they can create a toxic and filthy atmosphere in your home. Men, you know this. When you go around some women who are kind of a seductive and things like that, when you go around them, there's a kind of atmosphere around you, something trying to pull you towards them. We know those things. Likewise, it's not just for women, men as well. Be very careful who you allow into your home. Amen. So we should not be partnering and fellowshipping with wickedness, talking about evil, but we should hate them. We should intentionally mark them as evil. Go to the Bible, go and read Ephesians 5. You find a lot of stuff there. We should hate evil. Identify what is evil, hate it, make up your mind not to associate with it. Step one. Look at what this uh, Ephesians 5:11 says. It said, Take no part. Don't participate. This is the amplified version. So take no part in and have no fellowship with the fruitless deeds and enterprises of darkness. But instead, let your lives be so contrast, be so in contrast as to oppose and reprove and convict them. Everything called evil, everything the word of God says don't do in the epistles, everything there, mark them and make up your mind to hate them. Don't participate in them. Don't encourage it. Don't discuss it. People who are given to do so, such things should not be your friends. You are better off being alone and friendless than to have those people in your life who will be holding you back and bringing 
negative influences into your home through the influence the bible tells us through their influence on you the bible tells us that evil communication evil association corrupt good manners the bible says that you know he that walks with the wise shall be shall be wise but the companion of fools shall be destroyed so who is your friend if you're working with fools ungodly people right and you make them your close friends it's gonna ruin your life it's just a matter of time one day they will they will lure you to do something you don't want to do it's just a matter of time evil communication evil interaction evil association corrupt good manners it will corrupt you make a mess of your moral standard and you begin to see things from their end i mean i've dealt with so many people whom figured out that what has brought a mess into their home, into their life, was as a result of the friends they were keeping. Amen. It doesn't matter if they have been your childhood friends. They are childhood friends that I've cut off from because I don't know what happened to them along the way. They got involved in stuff and I don't want those people. I love these guys. We did childhood... I mean, we, we, I mean, we worked together. We did everything together at childhood. And, you know, these are the people you can call your friends kind of stuff. But many of them have gone the right path of, of destruction. I ain't going to follow them. And that's why I have very few friends. I'm gonna because I don't because I don't I want to keep my friends. No, I'm not gonna do that. And we should not do that. Let, let God be your source. Let God be your provider. Let God be the person you are accountable to and not your friends. Amen. Amen. And obviously you can find new friends. So I said number one, point one, eight evil. There are only, only two things. Two things. Everything else will be sorted. Two things. One, hate, intense dislike, evil. Recognize what evil is and hate it. Believe, choose to believe that this is evil and make up your mind not to associate with it, not to participate, not to entertain it. Point number one, hate evil. And evil also, in, evil is part of evil is molesting kids, abusing your children, using your wife, oppressing your wife. Anything that looks evil, take your time, read the epistles. When I say epistles, the letter written to the church, and list everything. It says you should not be angry at your wife unnecessarily. Is that evil? Provide for your family. If you're not providing for your family, is what evil. Amen. And next point, love God. See, that word love God is very common among Christian circles. Well, what does it mean to love God? Let's look at this. Now, John 14, 21, NLT. Look at this. Those who accept my commandment and obey me, them are the ones who love me. Many people say that I love God, I love God, I love God, I love God. Jesus is saying that, friend, your verbal affirmation of your love for me is not the evidence of your verbal affirmation for me, uh, the, 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 sorry, the evidence of your verbal affirmation of your love for me is demonstrated in you doing what I say. So many people will claim to love God, but their conduct, how they live their life, what they do is evil. So if a person is committing fornication, doing all manner of stuff, all manner of evil, just fill in the blank, right? And they claim to love God. It does not, it does not tie up. It does not make sense. Because to love God is to hate evil and to sorry to to love God is to is to, okay, to fear the Lord is to hate evil, so you fear God, right? And the second one to say you love God is to do what he says. Can you say that they are interchanging? It's the same it's same is one thing, but I'm just giving you two pointers. It's evil. Because if I say love God and I don't tell you you need to hate evil, you may just focus on I love God, I love God. So when you hate evil, the next thing you do is what? 
to love God. And how do you love God? By doing what he says. How does God ask you to raise your children? How does God ask you to love your wife? So if you say you love God, you follow his commandment. You follow what he says. Let me finish that, um, those verses. He said, those who accept my commandment and obey them are those who love me. And because they love me, my father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Uh, verse 24. I have to jump here because of our time. Anyone who does not love me will not obey me. So if you claim to love God and you are not obeying him, you don't love him. I remember, I remember my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. Amen. Amen. I've tried to establish and to show us that it's not enough to be good fathers or the godly fathers. And the godly father is one who is conscious of God, who works with God, who obeys God and raises his kids, you know, according to the principles of God. And um, we may have gone through a lot of stuff in our life. We may have had positive or negative influence in our life. Uh, uh, so we may have had positive or negative influence on our children based on positive and negative influences that we receive from other people. However, um, we should always try to make every effort to improve. No father is perfect. There's always a lot of room for improvement. Right. So if, you're, if your father that you think you have had negative influences on your children, um, you know, you can start making things right. Time will not allow them to go in there. But one thing I know that will help fathers who believe that they have had positive or negative influence in the life of their children is that they must choose to understand what evil is and hate it, not participate in it, not fellowship with it, right? Not get themselves involved in it. And they have to choose to love God. And loving God is not by you, how you feel about God or you knowing that God is good, is by doing what God says, obeying his word. Many times, when you are actually demonstrating love, your love for God, it doesn't feel good. Because your flesh does not want to do it. Your flesh wants to attack. Your flesh wants to revenge. Your flesh wants to demand its right. Right. So it doesn't feel good. But obeying the, obeying the word of God is a demonstration of your love for God. Friends, if we get our Bible, understand what evil is and hate it, and we find out what God says about our children, about our wives, about our home, about our jobs, and we do them, that's us loving God. And we see that we begin to grow as godly fathers. And watch it. You see that your influence on your children start, uh, start going more on the, on the positive side. And you see that you are, you are developing a much more happy home. Thank you guys for connecting with us this morning. I hope that blesses you. I look forward to your comments. I look forward to your emails i know there are things i couldn't um, i couldn't unpack there because i just had to ensure that i communicate to you uh the importance of um becoming a godly father in our society in our world today and how to, and two key things that you need to bear in mind uh, to start that journey or to advance in your journey i hope that blesses you i look forward to hearing from you please enjoy your days fathers and i mean wives children you know have a special treat for your dad and your husband and any mother husband uh, sorry, wife, husband, <laughs> right, oh. children, father, right, and um, have a blessed week. God bless you. Bye.